Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we proudly bring to you at a Studio 212 in the heart of Seattle, Washington, this is Physical Culture Radio. I'm your super dope host with the most, Greg Jones, at Coach Greg Jones, Instagram and Facebook. Along with my super dope host, Chris Edmonds, lead mountain dog diet trainer at C Edmonds Instagram. Chris, what's up, bro? Ah, doing great, man. Uh, I've changed gyms again this week. <laughs> I have a now, you know, I, is your new gym that one that I saw that had the belt squat? Yeah. That um, fucking gym looks dope, bro. That yeah. it looks like you have more bells and whistles there. Yeah. The uh, So the guy who runs that is a super heavyweight master's guy. One of my good buddies um, that lives, okay. lo- lives locally. And... Um, I just find it's really like it's it's not close to my house, but it's like just worth the drive. My Alex, my training partner, had to change gyms away from Titan, that place we were going that had like no AC and stuff. So he had to switch over to this place is called Elite uh, Health and Fitness, and um, I was like, "Fuck, I don't want to lose a training, lose a, lose having a training partner at least during my heavy days." So it, yeah, uh, we are over there. I used a belt squat for the first time, and holy shit, do I love that thing! Um, we did like, I don't know, 10 sets on it probably. And my quads like instantly were blown up. It's got zero low back pain. It actually helped wow. de- decompress my spine. So I can tell you one thing. I'm going to use that motherfucker for the next 14 weeks. That is a promise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't even know anywhere around that has one of those. I should probably seek that out for once a week training in the Seattle area. Yeah. I mean, I for sure would. I mean. It's just so. What's cool about this gym is he's a competitor, so he has like tons and tons of his trophies in there. on the On the walls, it's like all different magazine covers that are signed by all the pros um, from the eighties, the nineties, two thousands. I mean, it's it's a legit bodybuilding gym, um, which is good. And when we go in there, there's like maybe one or two people in there, so we pretty much have free reign of the whole place, which is really nice. So. Yeah. I, I, I trained there for a couple shows uh, back in early in my uh, bodybuilding career, and um, okay. I'm just finally making my way back there now. Dope, man. Dope. Um, well, I, you know, the topic of today's uh, episode is um, we're, we're going to talk about overtraining and there being a lack of of what people probably think is overtraining and 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 more of probably them just not either either being kind of wimpy and just being kind of you know uh for lack of a better term having chronic pusitis um is what my old coach used to tell tell us um but you know, the, 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 the main kind of point is that most people, 99.9% of the people out there do not overtrain. Your body is very adaptive and will adapt to the stressors and the training. There are very few instances in the probably hundreds of thousands of workouts that are done every day across the United States and throughout the world where somebody will act, actually get rhabdo. Um, and uh, so I, I think the overtraining thing is um, it, it's overemphasized. I, I think that there's there's pro- it's probably more so uh, lack of nutrition, lack of recovery, lack of uh, recovery mod- modalities. 
And um, so that's our topic today. That's what we're going to talk about. Um, and we're going to go into that a little bit in depth. But first off, I want to talk about uh, Dexter Jackson and winning the Tampa Pro at the age of 49 um, as he heads into the Mr. O. Uh, he won his 29th show um, a couple weekends back. And he's, you know, we'll be going for number 30 at the O. And... You know, without Sean Roden and Phil Heath there, uh, I think he has a good chance. Plus, I think the emphasis nowadays is a little bit more streamlined. I don't think they're going to the biggest. If, if anybody has a gut when, when they turn and, and, they're, and they're switching from position to position and their gut distends out, I don't give a fuck how big they are. I don't think they're going to win anymore. Nope. I told you that. We had the same conversation two weeks ago. And I said to you, yeah. if you are a bodybuilder in the NPC or IFBB and you aren't doing TVA work, if you aren't working vacuum, you're a fucking idiot. Like, right. if you cannot control your stomach when you're posing, you will get placed down. I don't care how big, how right. hard, how lean you are. You have to do that now. It's just, it's just, it's back to those rules that got away from us for, for, you know, probably a decade of bodybuilding. Um, yep. But I, I personally love it <laughs> because that plays in my yeah. strong suit. So like, again, to me, that's part of bodybuilding. I think for, again, like I said, 10 to 12 years, we forgot that abs were actually a muscle that needed to be judged. And now, you know, if you think about any of the shots from the front and the side, that's what ties your upper body and lower body together. Like, so to not judge that is ridiculous to me. Um, or to say, oh, just because he has a giant back, but his waist is 50 inches. Like, that doesn't count. Well, the days of that are over now, hopefully, and it's back to taper. And, you know, I, listen, I still like the mass monsters, but at the same time, you have to control that stomach. And when you turn to the back for your back yeah. double, back lat spread, back quarter turn, like, let it hang out. Who gives a shit? But and when you're in the front and side, you better suck that thing in, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, interestingly enough, we had, uh, Coach Chris and I had a conversation a little bit ago, probably a week, week and a half ago. And um, after looking at this, at Dexter's 29th win, IFBB Pro win at his age, I got, I, I, I took a little bit deeper look into his training. And I, you know, I, I pulled up some videos and I, you know, he trains like, I don't know if he lives, does he live in LA full time or just, you know, he lives in Florida, so right? But he goes to LA to train. So yeah, for the Olympia, for all of his preps, he has a condo he lives at in Venice. Um, but then he lives in okay. He lives in Florida. He lives right, right. So because I know I've seen him training a lot in Florida, but then you also see him training a lot at Gold's Venice yep. with yeah, Charles all, Glass. Yeah. All of his preps are done in uh and in California. Right. So when I've been watching this training, I've been seeing him, and specifically, I was kind of seeing his shoulder workouts, his chest, his push days. His pull days. I don't even know if I've seen too much of his leg days and any footage of that. But um, what I see primarily of his training and how Charles Glass trains him is is he really uses the volume approach. Um, I don't think he does anything less than 15 reps. You know, a lot of times he'll be doing 20, 25 reps or to, you know, fatigue. And he's doing multiple sets, kind of a high volume approach and the guy is so fucking full for his age. I mean, conditioning has never been, you know, even a question with, with, with him and how he comes, but 
sometimes his fullness, he isn't as full and as big as some of the other guys. Um, and they say that he's actually kind of brought that up in the past year, which is probably why he won the show and is maybe a little bit more into the contention of a Mr. O this year and in the, in those talks. But uh, he, he, he has a full muscle belly. The guy's almost 50 years old. He's won a shitload of shows. Of course, he's got great genetics. I mean, and to compare yourself to, you know, a guy with this great of genetics, um, you know, is is I mean, you don't want to do it. But I, I think where I'm getting the comparison and the take home for me personally, and I think a lot of older people should get this as well, is the longevity in, in which he's been able to compete and stay healthy and stay big and jacked and not fuck up his body, I think is a testament to how he trains. Um, I think there's other guys like, you know, you take a guy like, and, and, and I hate to always bring up Ronnie Coleman because it's not just Ronnie Coleman, but if you think of like Dorian Yates and some other guys that have gotten really big off going heavy and a heavier duty um, style workout it, it beats the fuck out of your body and you can't train as long i mean you didn't you know and so i think with dax you know his big thing is he's healthy he's big he uses this volume approach he's not scaring anybody in the gym with the weights that he uses but fucking who looks better than him yeah not, not many <laughs> i mean to me yeah. like so if you listen to any of the things he's ever talked about, it's, you know, he built the, the frame and structure he had. Because, I mean, a lot of people don't know that he started competing as a Bantam. He won his pro card as a light heavy. And then now, if I had to guess, he's probably 220s to 235 max. Um, yeah. So if you think about that, and he, and he talks openly, is, you know, he wasn't afraid of the barbell and dumbbell when he was young and early in his career. Like, that's what built a majority of his lean muscle tissue. But what he did do is he evolved his training style as he began to age. So, you know, you start getting away from those heavy basics early in the, early in the training session. And it's kind of an evolution, right? So when you're young, you want to hammer those compound movements early in the session when you're the freshest and the strongest. As you begin to age, you start moving those compound movements deeper into the workout to where eventually yeah. you move them to the very end. And then eventually you move them all the way out. <laughs> um, right. So, you know, if we can speak anything about that, it's about he was he was one of the few that have actually been intelligent and said, listen, I'm going to evolve my training style as I age to help protect myself because I want to compete until God knows when. I mean, they did an interview with him afterwards and someone said, if you win the Olympia, are you going to retire? And he goes, why? This is one of the best looks I've ever had. Why in the world would I ever retire um, if I win the Olympia this year in five weeks? And <laughs> it, it's true, right? I mean, he looked crazy in Tampa. Um, I mean, he beat Luke Sandow and Ian, who easily are 265 to 270 on stage. Um, but that's just that complete look that he he's always had that deep dugout muscle that's what's always impressed me about him is how just gnarly his muscle looks. Um, and everything has bells and whistles and it pops and it's full and it's round. But this, for this show, he's really brought it up to a new level in comparison to the past year, in my opinion. So yeah, like, uh, again, I, I told you, I mean, listen, you have to be smart with your training volume. A lot of people are like, Oh my God, it's lame. You have to go like light and it's not, it just means you hit a shitload of sets and you do a ton of angles 
and you do things that are smart and you, it's got to be intelligent with your programming. So, you know, if you can't heavy barbell row, how can we replicate that? Can we lay face down on an incline bench and pull a barbell or dumbbells? Yes. Can we do hammer strength machines? Yes. Can we do shitloads of pull downs and pull ups? Yes. Like, again, those are just longevity. You aren't seeing him pulling seven and eight plate deadlifts off the floor, but you best believe he's no. wear, wearing out that hyperextension and band of good mornings. So, you know, it's one of those things like you just have to be smart. He's never going to win the most hardcore award for training. Um, like, yeah. some, like someone like you spoke of, of Dorian or Ronnie, um, or even, you know, if you watch Luke and Ian uh, on their Instagram, I mean, Jesus Christ. Luke's, monsters. Luke's, yeah, pulling, monsters. Luke's pulling nine plates on the deadlift. I saw a video of Ian bench pressing 500 for reps, and it looked like 225. Like, you're not going to see Dexter doing that. But what you are going to see him doing is winning shows <laughs> and not tearing the muscle. Right. So, I mean, yeah. it's just one of those things, like, you, people will argue, oh, it's his genetics, anything you would do would work. But at the same time, like, learn, take some notes. What can you apply to your own training that may help you last longer in this game? Yeah. And early in my bodybuilding and college football playing days, I loved moving a ton of weight. It was gratifying for me. I used to work eight reps and under, five reps and under, go up to triples, singles, lift as heavy as I got, but, you know, and, but, you know, I, I remember doing some breathing squat sets of 20 reps at 315. And I remember it, I remember not liking it because it was fucking hard. And I remember it seemed like squatting 500 for five was a little bit easier for me. So I liked doing it. It didn't push me quite as hard, even though like it probably pushed my joints harder. Um, but I remember saying to myself, fuck those high rep breathing squat sets fucking suck. Like I, I would rather lift heavy. And I remember thinking that, and of course I was playing football at the time. So I was more geared towards strength training and, and getting that 500 to 550 to 600, you know, that whole mindset. And when you go back into bodybuilding and football was over for me, it's hard to get out of that mindset. It takes you and it takes like almost you have to be in a contemplation phase for like years to kind of work yourself out of that mentality until it finally clicks. And there's that epiphany where you just go, this is the better workout for me. Yep. This is not going to hammer on my joints. It's going to keep my muscle bellies fuller. And I need to get, I need to let my fucking ego to the, you know, step my ego to the side here and, and train my body because I, you know, you, I want to be able to work out with my son. My son's turning three in October when he's 12 and 14, I want to be able to work out with him. <laughs> I don't want to completely hammer on my fucking body right now to the point where I can't work out with him at all in another decade. Like I will, I want to have some semblance of being able to do that and not just completely hammer on my body until it quits and then give everything up because I, I take working out now in my late forties. I, I say to myself, I want to do this for the rest of my life until I fucking die like my dad does. I mean, my, my dad beats me to LA Fitness almost every day. It's crazy. I see him on the leg press and hitting the glute machine and the fucking guy's 81 years old. And I'm like, this is fucking awesome, you know? 
So, and I, I want to be able to do that with my son. I think, I think, you know, when you think about the long scheme of things in your life, you know, do you want to be lifting in two to three decades or do you just want a short little spurt and, you know, to kind of crash and burn after a while, like a lot of bodybuilders do, um, or do you want to keep this going, you know, and work out with your kids and work out as long as you can? Because I don't see this lifestyle switching for me. I mean, I know I'm not going to compete forever. I know I probably got another three or four years of competing on stage. But then as far as working out and looking good and wanting to keep a big wide back and, you know, and look the way I want to look. Yeah, I, I want to keep that going. And I think that volume training and I think playing around with kind of what the best way to do that and training most most body parts twice a week in a higher volume fashion is, is kind of the way to to approach that and work that. Now, let's talk about let's talk about overtraining. Oh, real let's fast, talk real about, fast, real fast, um, real fast. Yeah, let's go back. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So what's really, yeah. really great about this, right? I, I think or at least I want to hope at least that I've been a contributing factor for you switching this mindset. Because when you came to me and even not so long ago, you were like, dude, you have to lift heavy. You have to train like bananas in terms of weight to get size, gain size. And I feel like you've totally yeah. evolved now and you're starting to buy into, holy shit, Chris may have been right. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you are 100% <laughs> right. And I will completely agree with you. You've been a huge factor in that yeah. because you keep bugging me about it. Yeah, you damn right. my ear about it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and all of a sudden my shoulders feeling better now yep <laughs> and my back is more tolerable there's things that are just better in my training and i and i feel like i'm starting to look better too um and you know it's funny because about a year ago when i went through my surgery and i was still trying to go heavy and go heavy into my surgery or heavy for me, not heavy for like what I used to do 20 years ago, weight wise. Um, I was lifting five times a week and just beat the fuck up. Yep. Now I'm lifting, now I'm lifting six times a week. I'm only taking one day off and I feel better. hundred yeah, percent. So, so, you know, I mean, it doesn't it, anecdotally for me. And I think anecdotally for some of the top pros, and I know Phil Heath, you know, experienced the same thing. He doesn't lift heavy anymore. Nope. He used to do barbells and dumbbells and some heavy ass compounds when he was younger in college. And right when he got done playing basketball and kind of got into bodybuilding um, and was nipping at Jay Cutler's heels and, you know, trying to follow in his footsteps at first. But then I think his training evolved over the years. Of course, he's had a lot of you know, abdominal tear problems and, and some things going on uh, above and beyond that were kind of out of his control. But I think if you look at a lot of the way that a lot of these guys train as they get older, Mark Dugdale is a, is a huge example. And when John started training with him, he got him out of that mindset because he partially tore a pack and then he almost tore something else and everything was fucked up on him. And, you know, then John got a hold of him and he started doing the volume thing. And then all of a sudden he won four shows um, in his 40s. And uh, so, you know, I, I think it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. 
I remember back in the day, Gold's working, there was this trainer guy and he was like, you guys are all wrong. You shouldn't be doing this Mike Menser bullshit. This hit. And it was, this was in the mid, this was in the mid nineties. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, Arnold, Arnold had it right. Yeah. He goes, it's volume. And he was training a couple of pros and he was a competitive body. He was a um, Arab guy and actually a doctor. And he was like, it's volume. He goes, you guys are all wrong. You don't know what the fuck. And we're, we don't, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Look at Dorian. Look at, we didn't, you know, and we all called him an, you know, an idiot. Yeah. Um, so check this out. But, but I, I sent you a sneak peek. Uh, that side chest shot I sent you this week, right? That's yeah. the roundest, fullest, and hardest I've ever been at above 230. And yeah, I really believe it's because I'm in tune with exactly what my body needs as far as volume and intensity goes. Like, And I think yeah. if you look at the loads that I'm lifting, they are probably down from past years. But... Right. My, I'm training in an all time high in terms of like volume and coupling that with intensity. And I really believe that's mm -hmm. the reason I'm, I've seen this increased growth and in, in, it's a, just a different look. And some people would say, oh, you're just maturing and I'm almost ready to turn 35. And that's what it is. But I really believe it's the training. People can lie and say, oh, you know, it's this and that. But uh, it's a it's it's the training. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, I sent my brother. I, I, I sent totally, my brother that exact same photo, and he and he hadn't seen me in a while because he lives in Colorado. And he was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And I was like, it, "Everything's clicking, man." And he's like, "Yeah, don't let off the gas. This is working." <laughs> right? Yeah. So. What, what, the first thing when you show when you sent me that photo, it looks like you're fucking five foot three or five foot four. How round your muscles are? Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't think I was five. You look hella fucking. I'm like, fuck how. Your 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 quads look unfucking real. They're so big and round, and your and and the top nest of your chest and shoulders and yeah. arms are so sitting up so high and full, kind of like Arnold's side chest, um, with not quite as good as the arms. No, Arnold, no, but, but no. the chest sitting up, <laughs> but the, but the chest sitting up there like Arnold's did, and it, it, it's almost an illusion. Because yeah. I know, I know you're my height. Yeah, I know you're like five nine, five ten, yeah. like I am. And um, but but in the picture, you know, because of how full your muscles are, it makes you look a lot shorter, which is good. It's more desirable. Oh, you're, you're damn more right. Full and, that, and rounded, and that's what I need. Yeah. <laughs> so right, right, right. Well, well, we all need that, I think. Yeah. So I I especially need that. <laughs> um, so getting to the overtraining yeah. thing, guys. Um. You know, there, there's been a lot of uh, press and uh, rhabdo is a term that a lot of CrossFitters uh, and people associated with CrossFit and doing CrossFit workouts out in the blazing sun and doing these workouts for eight hours a day and all these different, you know, stations of shit and grueling things that they go through. And I actually went, my, my ex was a CrossFitter and had this, she was a part of a team CrossFit Marysville up in Washington state that always like top five in the nation in the CrossFit games and the team in their team. And so in 2016, I actually went to the CrossFit games down in LA and watched these people. And I was really impressed. I was way more impressed with the women than I was the guys. Um, but, but, you know, they push themselves to the limit and overtraining can be a factor in some, because they're doing, you know, they're training their, these competitions are like six hours a day. 
Yeah. And they're 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 doing event after event after event after event, and then they take a little lunch break, and then they do a couple more events, and it's like a war of fucking attrition. And some of them get into this overtraining rhabdo state, um, and then they get sick. And but but for most people, if you aren't training six to eight hours a day in this competitive setting, uh, where you're doing heavy weights and fast, you know, workouts. Overtraining is not going to be an issue for 99.9% of you. And it, you know, your the body has an incredible uh, ability to adapt to the stressor put upon it. That's why your muscles grow, guys. That's why you burn fat. And that's why you get bigger and, 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 and build is because you, you work out and you create the stressor to the muscle. It adapts. So your body will adapt to whatever you throw at it within reason. Um, you know, if you look at, if you want to look at an extreme example, look at the people that survived the Holocaust and what their bodies went through. And I, I don't, I'm not making light of the Holocaust and I'm not making light of the, but I'm, my example and why I'm bringing it up is because some of these people shouldn't have lived, but the body, their bodies adapted I mean, they were get, they, they were eating like 200 calories a day or like bare, some of them weren't even getting fed um, and they were surviving off eating like bugs and shit. And they lived for months and years and, you know, lived through the Holocaust. And and so my, my point is your body can adapt to a lot of fucked up stressors that you throw at it. So you're probably not going to be overtraining it at all by training six times a week in every body part, two times a week, as long as you're not stupid and being idiotic with your form and pushing weights and you shouldn't be pushing and your technique is all fucked up. Is that, what do you think? So I'm going to share any, what I did last year or not last year, the year before last for my show prep when I worked with Matt. Yep. For 24 straight weeks, I had two off days the entire 24 weeks, not two off days yeah. a week, two off days period um, over the course of 24 weeks. And wow. You know, it's really interesting. He when when we started together, he said, "Do you think you can train seven days a week?" And I said, "Oh, without a doubt. I don't, don't. It's not even a question. Do you think I need seven? Let's do seven. And we just kept at it. And he would always say, "Hey, if you feel beat up or tired, let me know." And I never felt beat up or tired. It was only at the very, very end when I was like, "Ah, I think I need an off day." And again, it was two days out of twenty-four weeks. And yeah, I attribute that to. You know, let me start here. The most people, when they get into a contest prep, they're like, oh my God, like because you're in a calorie deficit, they assume that their strength's going to fall off the map, pumps are going to get terrible, and that they're going to get really weak and have to take more off days. And my thought process on contest prep is okay, hold on. I'm doing regular cardio, so my heart's going to be healthier, my body's going to operate efficiently. I'm not going to be as fat, which means not as less load on my joints when I'm walking around in daily life. And my food is going to be absolutely perfect all day, every day. And then I'm going to be drinking adequate amounts of water. And then if you're an enhanced athlete, you're obviously going to have 
the sub the extra supplements especially towards the end of a show prep so i've never understood right. the thought process or mentality of oh i'm in a show prep i'm going to be weak or i'm going to be tired or i'm going to need off days like it doesn't make sense to me like if anything my body operates the most efficiently when i drop about 10 to 15 pounds of fat and i feel fucking amazing yeah. now when you're yeah. super super lean like below seven eight percent that's when things start that's when life starts to get difficult but i'm talking like when you're eight, nine, 10, you start to feel really, really good. And, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things. Like, again, I, 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 and you know me, I do tons of volume and half the week I do a lot of intensity. The second half of the week, I don't do a lot of intensity. It's just pump. It's solely pump days. So if you think about my training schedule, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is like lots of volume and a lot of intensity. And then the latter part of the week of Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is going to be tons and tons of pump, lots of volume, no minimal to no intensity. So <clears throat> if you think about that, I have it set up to where I pretty much don't allow myself to get overtrained. If I start feeling tired and beat up, I'll, I'll double down on naps. I'll double down on essential aminos. I'll get massage therapy, you know, all those things that help. I'll take up some salt baths. So to me, like if you're doing everything right, it's really, really hard to get overtrained. Like, and it's only extreme examples of when you go start like putting in stress and no sleep and you start getting addicted to stims and, you know, you do things that are like beyond stupid. Right. And I'm talking like workouts yeah. where you're surviving workouts, not progressing, not progressive workouts. And there's a big difference. Like I could take anyone and just absolutely kill them and train them until they can't stand up straight. Would that be effective? I don't believe so. Um, you know, there's, no. a, there's a point of diminishing return. And once you do this shit long enough, you know when a session needs to be over. Um, like you start losing the ability to contract and fire muscle tissue. Your pump starts to fade. Whenever I start to feel either of those two things happen, I'll just walk away. I'm done. I shut the system. I shut it down. I just literally will yeah. shut it down and walk away. But again, you have to be intuitive with that. You have to be smart. You have to know those signs. Because once you start going deep into that world, like that's when you start, in my opinion, getting overtrained, getting injured, start going backwards with progress. Um, but right to answer your initial question, I, I just don't see people training that hard in a gym setting anymore to where I see anyone even sniffing overtraining. And I think that if people yeah. were literally shown <laughs> <laughs> what it took to achieve it, they couldn't sustain it for more than one or two workouts in a row anyways. So right. I, right. I just don't, I don't see it, man. Like the human body is resilient. It's evolved over thousands of years. It's meant to take a punishment over and over and over again and come back. Um, because it's basic survival, right? If you think about what we do with lifting and why our body adapts, grows, or loses fat, whatever. So let's say, you know, it's muscle gain is the goal, right? You continue to pound it with stress of, I'm going to lift heavy weights every single week. I'm going to do more reps with more weight. And that's why our body says, okay, we need to make this easier for him so we don't have to work as hard. So we're going to gain muscle so that the weight goes up easier. Well, guess what? If As long as you keep progressing with weight, volume, or intensity, your body's never going to fully adapt and it's going to have to keep growing and growing and growing. That's why it works. Yeah. It, that's, that's, it, if I had to break it down as simple as possible, Without doing X and O's, that's why the body grows. Same difference with body fat. We're going to take in less calories than our body is um, is needs for maintenance, and then we're going to do cardio, and then we're going to train our balls off. Easy as that, and it, just, and it right. drops body fat because it's not efficient. So, I go ahead. And I and I and I think a bigger part of the equation here is what 
people put into their bodies, what they eat, yep. um, the supplements and the food. I, I have zero people at my gym, zero people that eat the way that I do. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's sad. Zero. Not one. I cannot get one person to eat six clean meals a fucking day, 42 meals a week at my gym. Not one. Um, so well, let me, I let know me, they're not, before you move on, but they work out hard. I, I'll give them that they come in, they bust their ass, they work out hard. Right. And then they tell me, I, I can't do the diet, man. It's just so hard. My, my wife and my, this, and my, that, and my fucking dog. And there's always fucking some reason why they can't keep to a clean diet, but I want, I want to get to the bottom. What? I want to get to the bottom of that one day. Like I'd really like to have a candid conversation with like. 20 to 100 of those people and be like look just be yeah. honest with me and yourself i won't repeat it what like, the fuck is, what the fuck is your problem what <laughs> yeah right what stands in your way because out of one side right. of their mouth they'll say i want to lose fat right i want to have abs i want to you know fill in the blank and then out of the other side of their mouth well it's too hard to do this it's too hard to do that well well i don't understand it's not that hard it's just, it's not, you literally pick a fork it's, up. It's a fucking habit. Literally when, when I get in prep every year, it takes me about two or three weeks. Once I'm past that 21 day mark, I'm fucking in. Yeah. Like it's, it's so second nature just to do the shit and it's tedious. And I'm making meals sometimes at 11 o'clock at night cause I'm working long days, but I, I just, it, it, and you start feeling better and like, coach chris was saying you get to that eight nine percent body fat if you're a guy or for women maybe 15 16 you fucking feel amazing and yep. it's the dot i'll find myself training people at night and i'll be fucking all over their asses yep. like full of fucking energy it's 7 30 at night and i'm i'm like mr motormouth and showing technique and just i'm running circles around these people going this is how you do this and this is how you do that and I, and then I say to myself, God, where am I getting all this fucking energy from? Because I'm not on stimulants anymore. Right. I quit that shit over a year ago. And I did have, you know, 2017 wasn't good for those. You know, self-admittedly, I, you know, was taking too many of them for a lot of different fucking stupid reasons. But um, so I know it's not that I'm not hopped up on that, but I am hopped up on some good fucking meals now. Yeah. And I feel a ton better and my body fat's going down every week. And that translates into better work. It translates into your better hourly, you know, organizing your life, your time allocation. Everything you do can benefit from eating better. So when people have a hard time or you have a hard time conceptualizing putting the training with the nutrition Give it a fucking shot. Give it three weeks, nail it, and tell me you don't fucking feel amazing after 21 days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm literally 21 days or shit. A lot of times even seven or 14 days of yeah. regular cardio. I think it's I think the first week or two can be kind of it's it's that it's that transition, right? Yeah. Once you're past that three week mark, I feel like that habit is seriously created. And I feel like if you drank alcohol every day, did cocaine every day, did smoke weed every day, it'd probably take about three weeks too, and you'd be fucking hooked. You know, I guess what you, I, the habit would be set. I guess what I forget too is like, you know, I've had clients in the past that tell me like the withdrawal from sugar 
is crazy. Meaning, like, they don't have candies and cookies and cakes. And they're like, bro, it is so hard to, like, stop drinking diet. You know, not diet. Stop. It's so hard to stop drinking regular Coke or Dr. Pepper. And they're like, my head hurts. My body hurts. Like, and they'll say that that's taken 7 to 21 days to fully get over that, like, detoxification yeah. of having high fructose. It's mental. <laughs> it's fucking mental, dude. Yeah. yeah. I'm telling you, it's mental. It's not physical. They have no fucking physiological craving to fucking sugar. It's all in their fucking heads. It's the habit that they've created. And it's that cues and rewards that you create in your mind that, that, that do that. It's just like the oral fixation of people that fucking smoke or chew tobacco. Right. You can if if they can quit for three weeks, you can you can create a different habit, even if you, you know, and and there might be some physical because I know like a lot of things like they say marijuana, there's no physical withdrawals. I know things like heroin and alcohol, there's physical withdrawals, but I'll fucking guarantee you sugar is not one of them. (laughs) Right, right. Like, don't even categorize it in that and and. You're just I you're just being a mental midget if you're saying to yourself that you're addicted to sugar because physiologically you're not. It's it's mental. And when people get over that, it's just like the the mental mindset for anything. It's like people when they push in business, push in bodybuilding, push in hobbies to get better and to do everything, it's that push, push, push thing. It's the same thing with getting in shape. You just gotta push. And dig through and hit all the different things. Nutrition and training are a part of that. If you don't, if you don't fully buy into each segment of that, then you're not going to get where you want to get your goals, and you're not going to change what you want to change. And I'm not going to say that workouts are worthless because they're still benefiting you in some way, shape, or form. But you're not going to out exercise a bad diet. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. And I'll keep saying it until people get it through their fixed goals. You're knocking out exercise a bad diet. You know, I think it, it stems down to this. Like, I've always been really black and white in my life. And I actually have an Elite FTS shirt that says blast on the chest. On the back, it says dust. And, like, you know, <laughs> that's the way I am with life. Like, when I decide that I'm going to do something, I just do it and I don't think about it. Like, you know, when it's time to start a contest, bro, like, I start and then I finish. When it's time to start an all season, I start and then I finish. Like, you know, when I decided I was going to marry my wife, I decided it. And then I took the steps to make sure that was going to happen. So, yeah, I, I just, it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around individuals who aren't that way. Like, because it, it makes zero sense to me. If you say you want to do something, then just do it. Like, unless you run into a roadblock of you run out of money or, you know, something happens drastically in your life. I just don't understand. Like there's no plan B. And for a lot of, a lot of people, they have extra strategies with things. And I just don't understand that. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Decide, set out a path. If you have to modify that path when you're on it, do it. And, but just see that thing through through the end. Like I really wish I could portray that to someone or, you know, the people who struggle to stay on a meal plan, I always say, I'd love to have that person just live with me for one week and get on a schedule, see what it's like, and then just do it over and over and over and repeat. Because I really believe sometimes like, especially if I get a new client, they don't understand like the, 
necessity of food preparation and timing and ensuring you're getting your meals in. It's not one of those things where you fly by the seat of your pants and just randomly get things. A great example. You know, we can use this in real life. You were flying home from your son and you got stuck in an airport, right? Yeah. And I said to you, for breakfast tomorrow, go to a grocery store, get one of the small things of egg whites, drink it. It's 50 grams of protein. Then get a sleeve of rice cakes, eat all seven, and you'll be great for meal one until you can get home to eat your next meal. I don't think a lot of people could have problem solved that as simply as I did because they don't have the forethought. And you kind of joke me and say, God, you're so fucking hardcore. (laughs) And I'm like, no, that's what it takes. You're in a show prep. We need it. We need 50 grams of protein. We need 50 grams of carbs. And that's how we're going to get it tonight in in a suboptimal conditions. Meaning we didn't plan. We thought you were going to be home, but you didn't. So you had to eat meal one out. So we've made a game plan. Like you have to think about that. And again, that's when I said, when you're on the path and you have to veer off of it, you make the course correction and get back on. One of my clients, um, he has to travel for work a lot and he had to go from like midnight to 2 a.m. No, sorry. I lied to you from 10 a.m. or sorry, 10 p.m. to 2.30 a.m. without having a meal because he had exactly what happened to you. His flight was delayed, delayed, delayed. He didn't get home till 2.30, and he ran out of meals. So instead of eating shitty airport food, he said, fuck it, I'm just going to wait until 2.30 and eat and go six hours without a meal. And I, and he asked me, he was like, man, is that all right? And I said, that's exactly what I would have done. The timing isn't ideal, but your food choices were perfect. And that's exactly what I would have done. So again, it's being right. a slave to your goal. If you want to lose fat, if you want to compete, if you want to build muscle, you have to find a freaking way. You don't have a plan B because it just distracts from plan A. And I truly believe that. And if that's anything I get across in this podcast, like that's what it needs to be. Don't give yourself an out, hold yourself to the fire and you'll grow and get better from it. Absolutely. Okay, guys, for Chris Edmonds, I'm Greg Jones. Thanks a lot for listening to another episode of Physical Culture Radio. Tune in next time.